This morning, I got the most wonderful email from one of my most wonderful friends, one of my most lifelong friends, and I'll say, hey, Will, if you happen to be listening to this episode. But this email was sent from my friend Will to me as an encouragement, and it, it made me chuckle because it said, look, your ministry it is hard to explain. It's unconventional. I wish I could categorize it better. And I thought to myself, boy, do I wish the same thing sometimes. But he blessed me. He said that he and his wife, Rachel, believe in us. They enjoy watching the way that we follow the Lord. And so thank you to Will and Rachel. Also, thank you to my wonderful Jenny, who's trusted me as we've taken steps in faith over the years and just said, hey, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How could we speak of you, Jesus, in fresh and different ways so that the whole body of Christ gets more enamored with Jesus, with you, with the Holy Spirit? But when I read that email this morning, I thought, you know, when you're doing a kind of ministry, whether you're a pastor of a church or a writer or you're leading a parachurch ministry, sometimes you're so in the midst of what you're doing that you forget to explain yourself to people. You think that what you're doing is the norm, and sometimes it's not. So in this short thought, I just wanted to explain to you, my wonderful listeners, what I'm doing. When we started the union, it was called the union because we really believe that the highest prayer of Jesus is for unity or union in the body of Christ, that there would be a oneness over all the world in the church so that the outsider would look at us and say, now that is brilliantly supernatural. That was the first part, unity, union in the body. But what I learned quickly in my first year or two doing the union, doing these activities and meetings, and this is going to maybe rub you wrong, is that the body of Christ doesn't want to be one. I was so amazed to find how many times there was pushback when I tried to bring people together in ways that I thought were interesting, and they thought, well, I don't know about that. And so my bigger learning over time has become this. Until each individual believer in Jesus becomes uh, united personally in union with Jesus, him or herself, we have no hope to be one in the body. Because it's actually in our spiritual union with Jesus individually that we eventually are melded together by his Holy Spirit into one uh, unseparatable body. So essentially, the micro, you, is the only way to get to the macro, the body of Christ. So that was the basics of what we have been up to and been thinking about for the last six years under this style of ministry, speaking, retreats, uh, teaching at the anchor at First Presbyterian in Colorado Springs. But lately, it became almost even more simple. I wrote this down the other day. And I want to share it with you, explain it just for a second, and then give you a fun little analogy for what my heart is after on, this is a Monday when I'm recording this. This is what I'm after in my work week this week. So here's what I wrote down. I wrote, the church with all its knowledges, certainties, theologies, activities must begin again with Jesus. Individually meet him before all higher conclaving. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes when we're in the collective, when we're sitting in the pews, when we're going through a week-by-week Bible study, we become part of a greater, bigger unit without individually experiencing it for ourselves. 
That's a tragedy. So the goal of the big church, whether you're at a First Presbyterian like we are, or a tiny, you know, Third Baptist, or whether you are part of the Roman Catholic system of belief, all of these different places that call on the name Jesus, we each individually within that system need to experience Jesus for ourselves. There's no way towards something higher, better, and more spiritual on the top end unless we're doing it individually down below. So what do I even mean by that? What I mean is this. When, let's say, uh, Simon, who hadn't even been called Peter yet, when Simon met Jesus for the first time, looked into those eyes and heard the words, follow me. That's where I want to begin each day for myself. I want to have an authentic encounter with Jesus in his word, in prayer, in worship, in just sitting before him in solitude. I want to actually experience his presence every morning because I want to hear him say, follow me, and then go do it. Following Christianity actually never got anyone anywhere. Following Jesus is actually what it's all about. That's where we need to begin. And then when we read, say, the Sermon on the Mount, as we talk about often, we need to actually do it. We need to turn that other cheek. We need to not be anxious because he already provides for the birds. There are actual things we do to follow Jesus of Nazareth, but we have to actually do them. And when we read of the miracles, do we believe those are possible? Do we reach out our hand, lay it on someone and pray for healing daily, weekly, monthly, yearly? Friends, what you see of Jesus in the gospels is what I want for you. But again, we have to re-begin every day. We have to actually demonstratively follow him every single day for ourselves. That's the first thing. I then wrote this. The outsider, with all his confusion, illusion, pseudo-philosophy, activity, must only begin with Jesus. There is no way into the true body, but through the man. Now, this relates to all of you who are also in ministry. Sometimes we look at the person outside of the church, outside of the parachurch, and we think about our strategy to get to them. They're not interested in your strategy, and they will tell you uh, uh, 10 times out of 10. What they are interested in is watching someone's life be transformed by Jesus and then seeing, is that possible for them? So the only place you can begin with that person standing next to you at the pickup line at your elementary school getting your kids is to begin by showing it. And then when they begin to chat you up to say, actually, I'm fascinated with Jesus. I'm interested to try to follow him day by day. Most people have never heard that kind of language before because the church doesn't speak that way. So friends, what I'm after day to day is personally to enjoy Jesus to the absolute ends of myself. Then, on behalf of all of you, to read, to ponder, to think, to come up with talks, to record these sorts of things, to do retreats, to lead Sunday mornings at Anchor, to to go wherever he would ask me to go, to seek after what is a fresh new way to encounter him alive so that I can follow him and so I can actually go with my friends in different directions with him. That's why I'm sitting in my bedroom closet with a microphone talking to myself right now, talking to you, is because I want to encounter Jesus afresh and I want to do it with you. But I promised you a fun little analogy, so here it is. Last summer, uh, I went with Tripp, our middle son, to celebrate his buddy's 10th birthday. 
and we went here in Colorado Springs to Overdrive, the go-kart racing track. And it was super fun. I arrived with Trip. I was kind of chaperoning it, and I got there, and there's all the boys running around like crazy, and, and we had our slotted race times, and I got to go on one of them and drive one of the other boys in a double race car. It was really fun. And the race cars really zipped around the course, and you'd get better on each lap, and you could like shave around that corner a little closer and pick up some extra speed to catch up with the guy in front of you. And you really started to feel like, man, I'm like a race car driver. It was fun. But after a while, after we'd had some, you know, relatively delicious pizza and we're opening presents, I started paying attention to something I had unconsciously not been noticing until right then. There was just this rumble every once in a while, like the, the, the metal I-beams would almost kind of vibrate a little bit. And eventually I said to the dad of the birthday boy, Ryan, I said, Ryan, what's that sound? And he's like, oh no, this complex is two stories. Like there's a whole other thing going on upstairs. And I was like, what? He said, that's like the serious racing up there. The cars are like twice as fast, paddle shifters. You have to go through like a whole training. I think you have to be licensed to even get the chance to be up there. See those stairs over there? You go up the stairs. It's like a whole other thing up there. Friends, what I think we often feel as Christians going about our days in the modern kind of church construct, I think we are having a good time. We are sitting in pews, we're learning the scriptures, we have theologies, we know what we're doing to a degree, and we have some experience of Jesus of Nazareth. It's pretty good. We're generous, we're giving 10%, we're growing in our faith week to week, we're worshiping well, we're doing all of these things that matter. They're part of the trifold bulletin approach to the church system. But if you've ever had a sense that there's a tremor from upstairs, that there's something faster and more interesting in this thing that we call the kingdom of heaven, you're not wrong. There are saints who have gone before us, certainly the early church. There are writers, thinkers, and philosophers who have uh, scratched at it. You have scratched at it. You've had experiences that have been higher and more heavenly. They have been part of that rumble from upstairs, from heaven itself, calling you higher. That's what the union is about exploring for ourselves so that day by day, week by week, occasionally we walk up that flight of stairs and we see a whole different speed, a whole different atmosphere. And anything that we learn, we try to pass on. We're not above anyone, but we do want more and we want more for you. So friends, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I would tell you, begin again with Jesus today. Encounter him afresh and say, Jesus, I believe you're alive and I want more. And then follow him. Do things. Love people. Turn the other cheek. Be generous. But do it bigger, with more joy. And if you are joyless, get joy. Get his joy. If you are without peace, get his peace. But friends, there is more for each of us, but it's only for us to grab hold, to be grabbed hold of, and to go and to do. That's what it's all about. Thanks for taking this meandering little thought with me. And thanks again to Will for encouraging me in my unconventionality. I pray that we would all become unconventional according to the ways of the kingdom of heaven more and more and more. Have a wonderful day.